Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, our helper, our comforter, our guide, you who dwell even now within us at this very moment, we pray that you will fill us up even fuller with yourself. Help us to become comfortable with you. Help us to know you. Help us to cling to you, to be refreshed by your ministry in our hearts. Set here this morning, Lord, a community that is filled with your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray, amen. So this is the, uh, the Feast of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, mighty rushing wind that accompanies the preaching and proclamation of St. Peter as he stands on the steps of the temple and looks out over the gathered community of Jews from all over the world. It's a glorious and marvelous story. And uh, essential for you and for me that day I'll share more about that a little bit later. Um, but I want to continue our focus and attention on the Gospel of John. This is our year in the Gospel of John, and Jesus' words about the Holy Spirit to the disciples, I think, are special for us this morning. The role of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Paul says something just straightforward. He says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. I like that because it's simple to understand. <laughs> Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. But, you know, for so many of us, the Holy Spirit is just such a mystery. We, we don't really know what to make of the Holy Spirit, which is a shame because actually, the Holy Spirit is so active in our lives. It's how we know anything, if I can just put it in those terms, Anything that we know and experience of God the Father and God the Son, we know from the ministry of God the Holy Spirit, everything. We get nothing apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in us even now and is among us even now, and yet we fear him and we're scared of it and, and all that it means to be filled with the Spirit, and we so seldom ask for anything from the Spirit. We're so tentative because the Holy Spirit is God and has a mind of his own and does things that may make us a little bit out of our comfort zone. I think that's a lot of our experience anyway. It's not meant to be that way. The Holy Spirit may conjure in our minds images of crazy people or some bad movie we may have seen about it. I don't know what. But Paul says we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're to welcome the Holy Spirit. We're to be familiar with the Holy Spirit. That's our joy and our gift. Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away so that this Holy Spirit could be made known to you. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our helper, not our frightener, not our confuser. He's our helper. He's our constant companion, our guide, our teacher. 
He's the one who gives us strength and power to live every day. It's the Holy Spirit who ushers us into the very presence of God. I like to think of the Holy Spirit as the one who closes the gaps. We talked about that a little bit in Sunday school this morning. You know, it's not so easy, is it, to be alive? We, we feel, we were saying this morning, these kind of cross currents within us. On the one hand, we know things aren't the way they're supposed to be. That's part of our human nature. It's part of the world we live in. It's still fallen. We are not yet in our new bodies. We are not living yet in the new world. We're still filled with questions. We feel, as Christians, the absence of God. That's just part of the deal. Christ did ascend. We don't see him with our physical eyes the way that the disciples did. And, but that's just not the only part of the story, is it? The other part is the presence of God. The presence of God that dwells in us and among us, that's the name of Jesus, is Emmanuel, God with us. And we know that because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is able to cross the gap, close the gap and cross the boundary. He's able to go where we go. The psalmist says in Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Even if I go to the place of the dead, even there you find me. You're even there. The Holy Spirit accompanies you on your journey wherever you go. Uh, Isn't that refreshing? We will enjoy two great sacraments of the Holy Spirit this morning. By the Spirit, we ascend into heaven with Christ as we partake of his supper. Lift up your hearts. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. And we're gonna experience new birth. That's also the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the baptismal rebirthing, the going from death to life, the being made a new creation is a ministry of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing that we can know of God and nothing we confess about him that does not occur through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We're more full of the Holy Spirit right now than we can possibly realize. The very fact that you can confess Jesus as Lord is a ministry of the Holy Spirit. Right this very moment, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? Right this very moment. You are so full of the Holy Ghost and I am so full of the Holy Ghost that we can hardly even imagine it. Right this very moment, you're full of the Holy Ghost. You are no stranger to him. No stranger. From him, no secrets are hidden, we pray. The thoughts of our hearts are known to him. And yet, this is a good thing, we can be filled up even more. We can have even more of the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the question for us this morning is, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you even now. Be filled with the Spirit. Are we listening to him. Now the context for Jesus' words comes in chapter 16. If you recall, he's kind of near the end of the deal. 
and the disciples are uncomfortable. Jesus is saying and doing things that they don't quite grasp. They're not sure of what's going on. They're, they're nervous. They've been with Jesus now and things seem to be coming to a head and they're upset. Jesus says in chapter 16, verse six, he knows that sorrow has filled their hearts. That too is something that we can relate to and that is where the Holy Spirit plants a flag of ministry. Did you know that? Right in your sorrow. Here's the way the Apostle Paul says it in Romans 8, chapter 27. He who searches hearts, that's the allusion to the ministry of Jesus there, he saw the disciples and he said he knew that sorrow was filling their hearts. And the Holy Spirit who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So powerful is the ministry of intercession that at this very moment, the Holy Spirit is bringing you before the presence of God the Father and interceding for you with groanings that if we heard them would be too deep for words. That's going on right now for you. The Holy Spirit, Jesus says, I'm going to give you the gift of the helper, the Holy Spirit. Now, the Jewish people, of course, and the disciples here would know about the ministry of the Holy Spirit because he's a frequent actor in the Old Testament. All throughout the history of Israel and even before, there are appearances of the Holy Spirit falling upon the people of Israel and bringing forth the word of life. In fact, they'd seen the Holy Spirit fall upon Jesus at, baptism, at his baptism, and they knew that he was doing a new thing. And yet the fullness of the Spirit within them always was not something that they had experienced nor had anybody had experienced up until this moment. That the Holy Spirit was going to actually indwell people permanently and create a new body. That's new. They could not know that, but Jesus knew that, and that's why he could say, it's important for me to ascend to my Father so that this could happen. Jesus knew that the Holy Spirit would actually cure their sorrow. Otherwise, he would have never said it. Jesus would have never said, I'm gonna give you something that can cure your sorrow and then give them a bait and switch. He said, I see that your hearts are troubled and I'm going to give you a gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit, so that when I go away, the helper will come, and if I come, I will send him to you. So that's what the Holy Spirit's doing this morning. He is speaking. He's saying, I'm coming to you as your helper. Are we listening? Now, Jesus goes on to describe the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and it comes in two sections. If you're following along, there's the first section about the way that the Holy Spirit addresses the world. Now, just bear with me for a minute. This will be a little bit of a teaching time. It's essential that we know this part of the Holy Spirit's ministry. Jesus is talking to the disciples about 
the world. It's a big concept. It's not meant to be abstract. It's meant to make a point. It's essential that we know that our lives are part of something bigger than just ourselves. That's really important to know. It's important to know that our lives are part of something bigger than just ourselves, which does not mean that our lives are insignificant. So the goal here isn't to say, look, I got bigger things going on and your lives just don't matter. That's not, actually it's the opposite of that. He's saying there's something so big going on that your life matters more than you can possibly know and I'm going to connect those dots for you. Our, challenge, our challenges in life are significant because they are part of God's work in the world to overcome sin and death. You think that your struggle is just to overcome your own challenge, but did you know that that's just part of the way that God is defeating sin in the world? It's the way that he's bringing his kingdom into the world, in part through you. And so the Holy Spirit, Jesus explains, comes to convict the world concerning sin, all right? And he says the sin is concerning unbelief. And when he comes in verse eight, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe. Unbelief is the root of all sin. Any sin is going to have its root in unbelief. Or here's another way you could say it. All sin is going to have its root in believing the wrong thing. That might help you root it out a little bit faster. What is the thing you're believing that's unbelief? You say, it's not God there. I'm acting this way because I actually believe that at the root, God is not there. That's unbelief. That hunger that I have, that desire that I have, that passion that I have, that thing that I gotta do that's wrong is based in the soil of believing a lie. And John will say this throughout his gospel. He'll quote Jesus saying, for example, in chapter six, verse 29, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent that you believe in him whom he has sent. That's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? To believe. Sometimes that's the hardest thing. And so the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of its unbelief. There is a day of judgment coming. And the judgment will fall on this. Is Jesus the Son of God or not? Do you believe and trust in him or not. And so the Holy Spirit's doing something in the world to bring that out into the open. And that's the second part of what Jesus is talking about is concerning righteousness. This is a hard one to kind of grasp. It was hard for me to grasp. He says he comes to, uh, to convict the world of sin concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. It took me a while to kind of work on that one. I'm still thinking about it. How is Jesus going to the Father an expression of righteousness? But actually, the Apostle Paul helps us out. He says in Romans 
chapter one, verse 16 and following, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Okay, so we're talking about righteousness, and we're trying to understand what does Jesus say that his going to the Father convicts the world of righteousness. Do you see that's a little hard to get around? But Paul is saying that actually that's how the righteousness of God is revealed. So let me explain that. The gospel is the story about how the birth, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ shows what God is all about. Do you want to know what God is all about? I want to know what God is all about. I think a lot of people want to know what God is all about. What God is all about is making all things new. And the way that he's making all things new is by sending his own son into the world to make all things new. He came as one of us. He was born in the flesh. He lived the life that we were supposed to live but couldn't. He died the death that we deserved. He rose again to defeat death, and now he's in the new world, even now, interceding for us and making a place there for us. The Apostle Paul says that is righteousness. That's what God is all about. That's right. That's things the way they are when they're right. They're righteous. Do you want to know what God is all about? He's defeating the enemy in the world and in your life and he's creating a whole new world where everything will be well. And Jesus ascended to the Father as a man there to intercede for us and prepare a place for us to continue the gospel ministry and to send to us the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit in you is connecting your story to that marvelous work of recreation. He's saying, Jesus is right there with the Father right now making a place for you. And the Holy Spirit in you is pulling you. It's pulling you right in to your new world. Just reeling you in. He's taking care of you. He's letting you know that you're connected to God. And so by Jesus ascending into the presence of God to take his place on our behalf that's righteousness and Jesus says I'm sending the Holy Spirit to let you know that you're connected to that ministry and that work all right wow that's a lot there so I'm gonna go real quickly over the judgment part that's part of it but I won't teach too much on it it's just that the ascension of Jesus Christ reveals the final loss of power for the enemy because he's been revealed as the authoritative one. Who cares? You might be thinking, wow, that's, okay, now we're really abstract. Jesus did this whole teaching thing right there with the disciples. You know, if I were the disciples, I'd be saying to Jesus, you know, this just isn't helping. (laughs) This seems so abstract. Jesus, you're, you know, my heart is sorrowful. You're giving this big teaching about sin and righteousness and judgment. 
You know, Jesus even says, I have even more to say, but you cannot bear them. The disciples are like, you're right. (laughs) You're probably saying, that's mostly how I feel on Sundays, and they'd have to endure these sermons, and I can't bear it, Lord. But, you know, if we just got a millisecond of the Holy Spirit's the real deal that's going on, we would be so encouraged. Just a millisecond of that sight of the new world, we would be so encouraged. That's why Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the helper. He knows how hard it is, but one second, uh, if we could see the veil part like that, I just think it would make all the difference because it's hard otherwise, and that's what Jesus says. Look, I'm bringing you someone, not something, not another teaching. I'm actually bringing you someone to reside in you to keep telling you these things over and over and over again so that it'll change the way that you think, and not only the way that you think, but the way that you feel. You're gonna feel different. You're gonna know something. The Holy Spirit, Jesus says, will guide you into all truth. He will speak, he says, and this is a focus on declaring. If you read the rest of the passage there, the Holy Spirit, you'll see in in verses 12 and following of chapter 16 is speaking and declaring. That's why I'm asking us this morning, are we listening? He's declaring something. What is he declaring? He's declaring your place in the new world. He's declaring your place in the family of God. He's declaring the reconciliation of relationships. He's declaring that he answers prayer. He's declaring that he's giving you eternal life. He's declaring that this life isn't the only one that you're gonna have. You're gonna have an eternal life after this one. And he's declaring to you those things over and over and over again so that when you meet that hard place, you know that there's a bigger picture. When you hear a word that feels like the last word and it's a bad word, you know there's another word that the Holy Spirit's declaring to you and says, aha, I've got something more. Not just the facts of it, but the truth about it. He will declare. He's gonna declare not just information, he's gonna declare and bring to you himself What's yours? Jesus says something so wonderful. Jesus, because he is God's son, is the heir of all that God has, all of his blessings, all of his benefits are conferred to the son, and because we're in the son, guess what? They're conferred to us, our sins blotted out. Isn't that a relief that when you stand before God on the day of judgment, because of what Christ did, your sins will not claim you? They're blotted out. You'll be reconciled to God. In other words, he'll welcome you. He'll say, you are my servant in whom I am well pleased. I'm so glad to see you. I knew you were coming, and I prepared a place for you. He will let nothing separate you from the love of Christ. He will make you a new creation. He will answer your prayers. You will see 
how God answered your prayers then in a way that you can't maybe right now. There will be a day when you will see, Paul says this, we will see clearly and you will see how it is that God answered the prayers you're praying right now. That's what the Lord wants to declare to you through the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to you. Are you listening? What is the Lord saying to you about your story? What is the Lord declaring to you about his promise? What is the Lord declaring to you about your journey? How is the Lord opening up in you more room for him? How is the Lord addressing your wound? How is the Lord answering your prayer? How is the Lord giving you strength that you don't have apart from him? That's what the Lord wants to declare to you. Paul, Paul the apostle could say it this way, and he could only say it this way through the power of the Holy Spirit, not because of his own strength, but Paul was brought to this. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Holy Spirit's not just talking to your head, although that's important, that's very important, but he's talking here to our hearts. He's saying, I'm poured into you to let you know that you're not going to be brought to shame. You will not be embarrassed for believing in me. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us. He's speaking to you. He's declaring to you, even at this moment, that your life is under the authority of God the Father, God the Creator. Are you listening? Because if you are, you will hear him address you. And like the Holy Spirit, you will become more than someone who simply copes and struggles. You will, like Paul, become more than conquerors. You will actually become, and this is the beautiful thing, a witness of Jesus. You will be able to say, let me tell you what I've experienced. Let me tell you how I've encountered Christ. Let me tell you what he's done for me. I just pray that you'll seek him this morning. Ask him to remove a stony heart and put within you a heart of flesh. Just be open and responsive to him. Remember, the Holy Spirit's the one that does the work. We don't drum up stuff. We just ask. We just say, Lord, yes. I'm just gonna say yes to you. I'm gonna welcome you in. I want you to fill me and to do your work, and I'm listening. I'm listening. I know you're speaking, amen.